Welcome to the Institute, a podcast on the lives and works of fellows and friends of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, I interview history professor Kathleen Duvall and UNC alumna Elizabeth Carbone, class of 2017. Recorded in May of this year, Professor Duvall and Elizabeth discuss their work as recipients of the IAH Honors Carolina Collaboration Grant. The award is given to pairings of IAH fellows and Honors Carolina students working together on humanistic research. Applications for spring 2018 collaborations are due Friday, October 27th. For more information, check the faculty section of our site, iah.unc.edu. What was the, um, the general nature of the collaboration that you took part in this semester? I'm at the beginning of writing this book. So what I said to Elizabeth at the beginning, when we started, when she agreed to, to help me with it this semester, is that I have a proposal that she read for me. I have a chapter outline. So every chapter I've written about three pages on. So she was able, to, I think, to get a pretty good understanding of what the whole book will look like what the shape of the book will be and what its main arguments are be, will be, what its purposes are. And then we just started with chapter one. Real quick, could you yeah, give a sure. quick premise of your book? Yeah, so the book is tentatively titled Native Nations and American History, and it is about American Indians in mostly in the colonial period from the 1300s through the early 19th century. And it's arguing, it's showing that Indians in this period were in nations um, and that they weren't quickly run off or um, killed by Europeans or their diseases, that they survived as individuals um, for these centuries of the colonial period, and they survived as nations. They changed over time, as nations do, but that they come into the 19th and 20th century as, as strong and independent and sovereign nations, which helps to explain why today... American Indian tribes are sovereign uh, within the framework of the United States. And so each chapter focuses on a particular people and a particular place during the course of these centuries. So the very first chapter, so the one that Elizabeth and I have worked on together the most, is about Cahokia. So it's actually before Europeans and Africans arrive. It's, it's about a pre-colonial place, a pre-colonial city in North America. And so what I ended up asking Elizabeth to do was to read a lot of archaeology and help me think through some of the evidence from that, from those sites in the ways that archaeologists have written, and then how to pull that into a historian's writing. Um, and so she knew the themes I was, I was looking for, but, but she's done a lot of the, of the research for that chapter on on the archaeology. And also then she's looked at uh, some of the same period of what was going on in, in medieval London, um, because one of the things I want to do in that chapter is argue that um, medieval Cahokia, this city that we think of as a primitive city, if we think of it at all, <laughs> is not all that different from medieval London. Elizabeth has found more than I could even imagine she would find. Some of the things you found out about London, this is exactly what I hoped you would do. You found out all these things about London that I don't know. It turns out I actually know Cahokia's history much better than I know London's history, although lots of people, of course, know London's history. And you were able to read this, these histories of London with such an eye toward comparisons because you've Thank learned you. all this about Cahokia. So which is the, these dugout canoes. I'm so glad you picked up on that because that was probably my favorite little bit of this um, is archaeologists who were digging up 
bits of the Port of London found this dugout canoe, they said it must be prehistoric because only prehistoric people use canoes, dugout canoes. And then when they actually did the carbon dating, it was medieval. And they think that there were probably lots of dugout canoes because they're easy to make and they float on rivers well and they can carry a good amount of cargo, but not a sort of 21st century boat amount of cargo, sort of what you would be able to produce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they find dugout canoes in, in native archaeology, they assume, yeah, of course, because mm-hmm. they were primitive. Of, of right. course, it, it's from, you know, the 1200s or the 1300s. Right. Right. They were uh, still they were, primitive, supposedly. Right, yeah. right, but they're really, really reluctant to believe yeah. that about European yeah. societies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was really interesting. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's going to make a beautiful paragraph. <laughs> Maybe even a picture. Um, but yeah, just that they... Things people are doing in medieval London are not that different from what people are doing in medieval Cahokia. Where's this city in uh, geographic terms? (laughs) Right. Uh, Cahokia is right across the Mississippi River from St. Louis Okay. And Elizabeth, can you talk a little bit about your experience uh, working with Kathleen Duvall this semester? Sure. So my job was essentially to go through a lot of sources, books, archaeological articles, and to pull out things that made sense in her chapter, um, but to also give a sort of overview of where the state of scholarship is. So I was I was doing a, a lot of different things, basically pulling anything that would be helpful to the argument um, and anything that would maybe expand it a little bit. Yeah, in many ways, Elizabeth is doing exactly what I would have done if, if I had been doing it this semester, but I was able to do other things and do some of the writing on some of the other chapters. And I mean, it takes somebody... You know, not only very smart, but also has a lot of skills in reading and writing and annotating and choosing. The level of research that Elizabeth has done this semester is quite high. It's 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 like what I would do, which is sort of the biggest compliment I could give it. And I'm also really interested to just learn how you write something like this. That's obviously way more ambitious than anything I've come close to trying to do. So, But this sort of introductory paragraph, if you start a chapter and you sort of dive in and you talk about the modern day practices and, and dances, how do you then go back and integrate and, you know, they started here and they integrated from here. Right, and they... right. yeah. So I think, you know, the logical way to structure something is to start with the earliest thing and move later. And I think in all of my work, I try to grab people with a, a beginning story. But usually mm-hmm. it's a story that's set in a time period, so I can pretty quickly move back and tell the background. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm trying to do with this book is, is make these... Con- One of the arguments of this book, as you know, is about the present day, about how American Indians are nations today. And so I'm trying to start every chapter with something in the present and then take them back to this longer history. And I am struggling with the fact that this is also a a history that one of the reasons I'm telling it is because the reader won't know it at all. And so it's a it's a balance between, you know, what do I need to teach them first where they can even get my point, and how do I grab them with something in the present? And so this, when you're able to identify this chapter, as, uh, I'm sorry, this paragraph as needing, as you said it was something you needed, information you needed earlier, that was excellent. And I didn't move it a lot earlier, but I move it to the place you highlighted yeah. up here. Really so it's especially fun because, I mean, I don't really know much about yeah. like, <laughs> right exactly of, nobody totally will so chapter. I need somebody to read it who doesn't already know it because I need, need you yeah. to tell me where yeah. it didn't make sense yeah. but yeah since it's, it's different from what you've been doing the research on but you 
you've been reading the older stuff. It's really interesting, okay, if I may say, as yes, a yes. Um, sort of counterpoint to Gun Strams and Steel. Oh, okay, um, good, good. I, because he he likes to put bows on things and, and sort of wrap everything up really nicely, and you're sort of tugging at the ah, the ribbon a little yes, bit. Exactly. Um, and it, it's unwrapping the present maybe a little bit. Um, so I, I really I really good. enjoy that about this project. It's it's great. It's been really helpful to have somebody read it who is knowledgeable and reads history, um, but who doesn't know, you know, who doesn't know all the details of this. As an undergraduate. (laughs) Right, right. It's perfect. The other thing that Elizabeth did for me this uh, semester is while she was doing all that research for me on the Cahokia chapter, I was writing a later chapter on the Quapaw Indians in the, the first half of the 18th century. And then once I'd finished drafting that, Elizabeth read the whole draft for me with the knowledge of the whole book's purposes and her own experience as a reader of history. Elizabeth read the whole chapter and gave me exactly the kind of reading that a writer wants. It was um, specific about sentences that didn't work, about paragraphs that needed to be moved around, um, and typos and everything in between. Um, And so that was a a very different kind of work she did for me this this semester was as a reader of my work. And so thinking about, I guess, Elizabeth and Kathleen, if you could both speak to this, how this collaboration will benefit you going forward. For me, that's a very easy question. She, uh, um, she has, she's basically done a semester's worth of work that I didn't have to do. She did it at at least a high a level as a, with as careful attention as I would have done it. And I am going to the next, my next task on this book is to write this Cahokia chapter, and I have already printed out all her notes and started putting them into my outline and changing it because of things she's found, and she will, I mean, she'll not only speed up the writing of that chapter immeasurably, but she's made it richer and better because she's She's brought her own mind to it, and she sees things that I wouldn't see, and yet she know, she understands the project so well that she, they're all things that are really useful. Um, so she'll make the chapter, and therefore the book, done sooner and better than it would have been otherwise. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's really <laughs> encouraging to hear. Wow, I don't really know where to begin for me. It's certainly been an incredible, incredible learning experience, probably one of the, if not the, defining um, bit of my undergraduate career. As I said uh, when we were first starting out this project, sometimes as an undergraduate you go to your teachers with a um, very ambitious final paper project proposal or something. And a common refrain that you hear is, well, if you were writing a book that might be something you would tackle, but maybe we should we should pare this down. And so to be able to look at the research for a book and to understand what they were saying that whole time has been tremendously rewarding. I I hope you wrote down all those book ideas for later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I way underestimated the amount of work it it takes. And I think, especially when you read well-written books, they just sort of flow because the authors put all that work Mm -hmm. into making it easy and accessible for you. Um, And there's footnotes and so forth, but you don't really think about them too much. Mm -hmm. But actually being on on the front end of this gave me a, a whole new backstage view. Yeah, and then just the experience of doing a a semester-long project, doing all this research, trying to find uh, good sources uh, for a project that I didn't have a lot of experience on Native American research was definitely a challenge, and then uh, sort of tying that together was also challenging fun. Yeah, I mean, it's been 
it's been tremendously, tremendously rewarding. Yeah. I'm imagining you reading the book someday and reading the Cahokia chapter and, <laughs> and realizing, I know all the work that went into this because I, I did it. <laughs> well, not all the work. I don't have to write it, which is <laughs> right. right. But you'll see that <laughs> veneer <laughs> of the, like, it looks easy from the top, but you'll know the sweat that went in. <laughs> yeah, all those, all those footnotes. Right. <laughs> Check back at ih.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.